what they call this, but I remember growing up, I used to see this little cartoon or something, and they would say, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. Or she loves me. She loves me not. And just go, and then whatever the last one was. You remember that? Is there a certain name? for? I don't know what they call that. But, it, but when God picks a flower, you know what he does? I love you. I love you. I love you. Every single thing, every single time is based on his love. Praise God. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Even when you feel like you've screwed up and you've messed up. See, the Lord has put so much stock in you. Amen. Now I see, I see Brother Dooner back there and your daughter is here this morning. This little Eden, beautiful little girl. Praise God. Gorgeous little girl. She's not perfect, is she? If she, made, if she made one mistake, would you cast her aside? You're invested in her, aren't you? Amen? And they're good parents, by the way. I mean, they're good. They love, they love their daughter. Amen? And I thought, you know, that's a, us being a natural parent. You know, God has, God has gone so far. He has invested so much in us, so much in us. He is not about to give up on us when you even give up on yourself. Amen? I mean, there's been times in my life when I've been licking my wounds. You know what I'm saying? Just feeling so discouraged and so down about something or whatever. And the Lord has never stood over me and said, well, that's it. It's over now. If he did, I'd be really in a deep, deep trouble. But I'll tell you, the Lord is so encouraging. I mean, he's so encouraging. He's so positive. Sometimes people get irritated at preachers that are positive, real positive, you know. If they get irritated at people that are positive, they're going to have a real hard time with Jesus. Now, that shouldn't be a problem because, let me tell you something, God sees you not for what you are, but for what you can become. You know, in John chapter 1, the first time Jesus met Peter, he said this. He says, Thou art Simon, read. Thou shalt be Peter, rock. When Jesus first met Peter, or when Peter met Jesus, Peter was a reed shaken with the wind. No backbone. But that same reed became a rock. Why? Because Jesus believed in him. You see, love is ever ready to believe the best in every person. God is love, and he believes the best in you. Even when you don't believe the best in you, even when you feel like, you know, I broke my promise, I didn't do this, I, I fell short, you know. All of us have been there. But I tell you, the Lord says, I still believe in you. Because I've invested everything in you. I've put my spirit, literally, God gave us his spirit on the inside of us. And he's not about to take that spirit away. Now here we see this situation in Joshua. And he said, I love this phrase. He says, when I was praying yesterday, I kept seeing this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. As God was with Peter and James and John and Jesus and all the apostles, he is the same God that is going to be with you today in the things that you face. 
Don't ever look at yourself again and think, little measly old me. No, it's not little measly old me anymore. That's not how God sees you. The Bible says we've not been redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. God calls those corruptible things, silver and gold. He says, but you've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. There's something that money cannot buy that's more valuable than anything that exists, and it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Whoa! (laughs) The blood of Jesus Christ. More red than Melissa's shirt right there. Glory to God. The precious blood of Jesus Christ washed us and purified us and sanctified us. Now, let's go to real quickly to Romans chapter 8 real quick here. Romans chapter 8. So just remember this fact. As God was with Moses, as God was with Joshua, as God was with David and the apostles, so He is with you today. And Joshua needed to know that because, my, he felt inferior. He felt like, are you kidding me? How do I fit in Moses' shoes? Dear Lord. You know what I mean? Well, you know what? To be honest with you, Moses felt inadequate too. He did. He had a speech impediment. He stuttered. He was, God says, I'll be with you. I'll be with your mouth. And he, he says, well, I have a brother that can talk better than me, Aaron. And so because of Moses' inact- his, his, uh, insecurity, he says, okay, we'll use Aaron then. God would speak directly to Moses, and then Moses would tell Aaron what to say. Okay? That was like an insecurity that he really never got over. But it didn't stop God from using him. Amen? The Bible says the children of Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. He revealed his acts to the children of Israel, but he revealed his ways to Moses. Praise God. And as God was with Moses, he will be with us. Once Joshua realized that, how do you think he had the spirit of faith? I mean, think about Joshua. What do we know Joshua for? in the Bible. A couple of big deal things there, right? Well, he conquered Jericho supernaturally. They were in a battle one day and he commanded the sun to stand still for a whole day yeah. <laughs> until the, the battle was won. He looked, think about it, he looked at the sun and he says, be still, don't move. That's not ordinary faith. But see, Joshua, the Bible says Moses laid hands upon Joshua and the same spirit that was on, the spirit of faith that was on Moses came on Joshua. It was transferred to him and he was able to do even greater things. That's, That's why I'm a firm believer that our generation, my son and my daughter should be able to do more than I ever did because we're growing we're growing at exponential rates. Amen. We know more. Praise God. But as you go to Romans chapter 8 real quick here, it says in verse 31. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. And it says, what shall we say to these things? Now notice he says we're supposed to say to these things. What do we say to these things? And we'll read on what those things are. 
If God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, glory to God. So that means we're supposed to say some things. We're supposed to open our mouth. Listen, everybody look at your mouth, point at your mouth. Now, God gave you a mouth not just to talk with each other. That's important. But God gave you also a mouth to decree and to declare what thus saith the word of God says. And he says right here, what shall we say to these things? And we'll see those things he's talking about. Distress, famine, peril, nakedness, sword, all these things. We're, to, we're supposed to say to these things, if God be for us, who can be against us? You know, you've got trouble in your home. You've got trouble in your finances or whatever the case may be. You can look at that thing and say, if God be for me, see, that's a relationship, God be for us, who can be against us? What shall we say to these things? We're supposed to talk to things. You know, Jesus talked to mountains. Jesus talked to trees. Jesus talked to the wind and the waves. Jesus talked to limbs. Not tree, tree limbs, but on people's arms. And if he can do that, we can do that too. Amen. We can do that. Amen. And should do that. Amen. We can do that. All right, so he goes on to say here, verse 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So in other words, God didn't withhold, verse 32, God didn't withhold his very best when he gave us his son. How shall he not with him also freely, notice that, give us all things? I look at it like this. If the Lord didn't withhold his very ultimate, most expensive, best gift to us, why would he withhold anything else that's on a lower order? Right. He that spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Healing, provision, whatever it is that we need. Jesus paid the price for all those things for us. Who shall, verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again, who is at the right hand of God to make intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now notice this. Shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. Notice this. We are accounted. That doesn't mean we are. He said we look like sheep for the slaughter. But look at verse 37. No, in all these things, we're more than weakness. No, he says we're more than a conqueror through him that what? Loved us. Through him that loved us. That's how we can get through any test or trial in this life when we realize if God be for me, who can be against me? I really like what David in the Old Testament says he encouraged himself in the Lord his God because. You know, the people were talking about his, his, all their, their, their people that followed him, their wives and their children and everything were taken captive. The enemy came in there and stole everything that they had. And the people that followed David were much discouraged. They were really discouraged. They were so discouraged they thought about stoning David, their leader, their pastor. They wanted to stone him because now they're going to put the blame on, on David. And I mean... Everything has seemed to fall apart. Everything is just 
come the pieces in his life. But he went and he separated himself and he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Amen? And he sought the Lord. He inquired of the Lord in that really dire situation. That's why he was a man after God's heart. Because when he faced adversity, he knew where to run. He knew where to get help. He was certainly not a perfect man. He's, he made a share of mistakes, didn't he? But he was a man after God's heart. He knew that when he did miss it and he did make major mistakes, he knew to run back to God because that's the only one that could help him. It's so important to know that. But he went, the Bible says there was no one to encourage. There was, no, uh, there was no one there giving him a word of advice or encouraging him. In fact, everyone wanted to stone him, wanted to kill him. I don't know about you, but I've never had it that bad. Now, I've had people mad at me through the years, upset at me, because they've had expectations of me that whatever they were that didn't get met. You know what I mean? But that's any leader for that matter. But I've never had it so bad that someone says, you know, your sermon was so bad today, I'm ready to stone you. <laughs> now, they did that to Jesus, this very first sermon. They, wanted to, they took him to throw him over a cliff. Remember that? You know. So, they're, you know, those descendants are still around, you know. But David did something. He said he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And the Lord instructed him to go and recover all. Go after, chase the enemy. I'll be with you. Go after them. And you'll recover all. And you'll come back. That's exactly what happened. But you know what? Sometimes you're not going to have sister so-and-so there, brother so-and-so there, pastor so-and-so there, or whatever. You know, thank God if they are. But there are times when there's like nobody in the natural, in the flesh, that you can lean on. I've been there. Okay. And the only person you can look to is the Lord. And you know what? That's the safest place you can possibly be. The best place you can ever be in your life is when you're fully trusting God. And not leaning on the arm of the flesh. But really trusting God. It's liberating. When you really trust Him. And sometimes it takes pounds of flesh off when you're doing it. Because your, your flesh is crying out. You know what I'm saying? But let me tell you something. Your Father knows how to take care of you. He really does. And that's why it's important that we never make, we never put a man or a woman in the place of God. Yes, Amen? Yeah. As good as a husband I am, I'm not God. <laughs> I'm not God. As good as a wife as my wife is, and she's a great wife, she's still not God. And I, I dare not put her in a position where only, what only God can give me. There's, see, there's no man, there's no woman that's going to give to you what only God can give you. Now, that's not to discourage you about marriage or anything like that, okay? It's just putting things in right perspective. Putting things in the right perspective. Because I'm, I'm human, too. I can make mistakes and have and so forth. But see, I trust the God that lives inside of her, and she trusts the God that lives on the inside of me. So even if we do make mistakes and fall short, we're still looking to the God that originally brought us together. Amen? Amen? And in, in just a few short days, we'll be married 36 years. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm, I'm happy about that. Amen? Amen. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, <laughs> this has been a blessed year for us. 
Amen. Our communion and revelation and fellowship together is getting sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And you think, how can it get any better? But it does. It does. Because when we're both looking to the Lord, and we're not just looking to one another, there's no ceiling, there's no cap. You can just keep coming up and up and up. There's no ceiling. Praise God. And all these things were more than conquerors. Now I've got to get through this quickly here, but you don't have to turn here. Just bring this up on the screen here, Josh. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. So Israel had God for them. God was with them, but God was not in them. We can say with all surety, God is with us, God is for us, but more importantly, God is in us. If you're a child of God, God lives on the inside of you. Oh, glory to God. Now, Colossians 1.27 says this, To whom God would make known what is the mystery or the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, notice this, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hmm. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Everybody in this place has firsthand seen a woman that was expecting a child. And a lot of people in this room were one of those. Okay? We don't have a problem, well, <laughs> thinking that there's a person within a person. The other day I saw someone that was about, looked like 10 months pregnant. Not nine months, ten months. I thought, boy, she's ready to give birth. It could be any second here in the store. You know, it was in a store. <laughs> I'm like, how can you get any bigger than that? My God. Everything's moving and stretching. I mean, every, I'm thinking, I don't have any problem thinking there's a person within a person. Now, some people in the world, you tell them that, no, that's just a fetus. No, that's a person within a person. It's got a heartbeat. It's got a brain. It's got fingers. It's got everything that you have. I'll never understand that in a million years. That's a person. At the time of conception, praise the Lord. And God lights every man that comes into the earth. You know, you came forth from God. Do you know originally you came out of God's heart? Where do you think your spirit came from? It came from God. We came out of God into the earth, and then we're going back to God. Every man lights, he lights us when we come into this earth. Praise God. And that's the part of us that's like God. But we don't have any problem thinking, at least in this place we don't, that there's a person inside of that woman. Hallelujah. Why is it that we have a hard time thinking that there's another person living in us in the new birth? He's in there. Hello there, Holy Spirit. How you doing? But that's the way we have to act. That's the way we have to treat. Now, you're going to see here as we close with these couple of scriptures here. Go to, real quickly, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The reality of the new birth, to me, exploded in my spirit when I began to realize 
that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Lord lives on the inside of me. And I'll prove that out here. You know the scripture here. It's real, real important. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Paul said this by the Holy Ghost. He says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth where? In you. Say, My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now listen. Paul was addressing, if you read their verses before this and after this, they had some serious issues going on. They had some serious problems going on. And Paul was reminding them, he said, look, you guys got problems with all this, these sins and all this kind of stuff as believers. He said, realize this, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you wake up and say, I, I can't do that. I can't act that out. I can't participate in that any longer. Now, there, there's a time when you don't know that. You know what I'm saying? We're, when you're born again, you're not born again full grown. Everybody's born a babe spiritually, but we have to grow up. We have to mature. As newborn babes, 1 Peter 2, 2 says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. No one's born full grown spiritually any more than you're, you come out of your mother's womb and you're full grown. It takes time to develop and grow. All right? And so God knows that. So there's certain things that take a while for us to develop. But I'll tell you, one of the quickest ways to develop and grow spiritually is to realize my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I got born again as a 16-year-old, I was faced with temptations like everybody else. Physical temptations, all kind of different temptations, you know. And, uh, but when I realized that my body was the temple of the Holy Spirit. The last thing I wanted to do was displease God. I didn't want to displease God. Now I wasn't miserable. I was actually happy. <laughs> Amen. I was actually happy. I'm like, oh, God, I have you. I got everything. Now I don't know about other people's experiences, and that's not my job to judge other people's experiences at all. All I know is the way I felt. And I tell you what, when I received Jesus, now especially after I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's like a whole other dimension. It's like the new birth was powerful. But man, when I, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it was like, whoa. It just took the lid off and poured everything in me. And I'm like, I, I had God on my mind almost 24 hours a day. As long as I was awake, I, was, it, I couldn't get him off my mind. You know? And I thought everybody felt that way, but they didn't. <laughs> I remember driving my Ford F-150 red pickup truck that I worked for a company down in the mines of West Virginia delivering parts, you know. And, and then I'm driving down there, just me and God on my AM radio. And I'm telling you, I was having my own revival in my truck. I would look out and see the, like this time of year, and see the beautiful mountains in West Virginia. And I would start to weep and cry, not because I'm a sissy. But because I felt, I was like, God, you created all this beautiful stuff. Yes. Praise God. I mean, it was so real to me. God, you made all this. You made all this for me. And you know what? You're the crown of creation. Remember back in the book of Genesis? When did God make man? On the first day? No, on the last, on the sixth day. God made 
everything first. He made the stars and the planets and the ocean, the animals and the vegetation kingdom. I mean, everything you see. He finished that first, and he says, now I'm going to put the crown of creation, man, in the Garden of Eden. You see, God made all that stuff for you and me. He made it all for our pleasure. How many of you enjoy the outdoors? I do. I'm an outdoors. I love the outdoors. I love the outdoors. In my heart, I'm an outdoors man. <laughs> I just do. I just love the outdoors. I love nature and stuff. Mountains, oceans. I just love it all. Praise God. But you know what? The Lord always reminds me. He said, yep, son, I made it for you. And that's all of us. He said, you're the crown of creation. God didn't put man or Adam on a, on a moon surface and there was nothing there and then create. No, he, he did everything first. He created everything that there is. Then he put man there. Why? Because he took care of your needs before you were ever born. It goes right back to the love of God. God made provision for us. Know you not that your body is the temple, that you are the temple of God. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Amen? And when you know that, there are certain things you will not do. There are certain words you will not use. There are certain places you will not go. There are certain decisions that you will not make when you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Now, for, go to real quickly here to 1 Corinthians 6. Just turn over a couple of chapters there. We're winding this down here. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, the Apostle Paul says basically the same thing. He says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? You have been bought, uh, you are of God and you, have, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are what? God's. Now notice that we're to glorify God in our body and spirit. Not just spirit, but our body and our spirit and give glory to God. Why? Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Pastor Keith, it seems so hard to serve God. Not when you realize He's inside you. It is God, Philippians 2 says, 13, it says, It's God that worketh in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. His command, Jesus said, My commandments are not grievous. The only way His commandments are grievous is if we try to live the life on our own strength. That's, we're, never, we're never to do... To anything in our own strength. If God said something in His Word, He has already empowered you and me to do it. Amen. If He says, love those that hate you, bless those that curse you, Amen. He's already empowered you to do that. Right. It seems so hard, Pastor Keith. I know, apart from the anointing, it is hard. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And He just happens to live on the inside of us. Amen. You see... Things that seem difficult, impossible, that seem insurmountable are impossible, insurmountable when you look at it through your eyes. But when you see things through heaven's eyes, through his perspective, and you see yourself as God sees you, that which seemed impossible and that which seemed so difficult will no longer be hard and difficult. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. 
That was a prophecy. Amen. It just came right out. Because you can't live this Christian life on your own strength. We are meant to depend upon the Lord every single day. They have a product out there called Depends. We'll not go there. <laughs> I never said that before, but... <laughs> we have a Savior that says, depend on me. Depend on me. Lean on me. Trust in me. And Christianity won't seem like such a struggle anymore. It'll just be like God live. You mean God's supposed to live through us? That's the way it's supposed to be done. He's supposed to live through us. Well, that took a lot of struggle out of my life. Even recently when I began to realize, I don't even have to pastor this church in my own strength. I don't have to try to make everybody happy in my own strength. That's not my job. My job is pray for you, love you, and feed you the Word of God. And do the best pod job that I can possibly. And for some people, that may not be good enough, but that's okay. That's okay. I still love you anyway. Amen. Praise God. All I know is when people come here, they're going to be loved. They're going to be prayed for. And they're going to be blessed. I'm not interested in having a bunch of perfect people anyway. I don't want a church full of perfect people. I don't care if people come into this church, if 90 people all of a sudden showed up here and they have all kind of problems. I don't care. But if their heart is right towards God, the Lord will work with them. He'll work with them. They can have all the problems in the world. But if their heart is right, God will find a way to help those people. Okay? That's the kind of savior that we have. And then 2 Corinthians 6 Turn right next door there and we'll close here. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says basically the same thing again here. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Verse 14, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, of course, that would mean in a marriage situation, but that would also mean friendship as well. He says, Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? Notice that the believer here is called righteousness and the unbeliever is called unrighteousness. Right? What communion has light with darkness? The believer is called light. The unbeliever is called what? Darkness. Now that's not just a criticism, that's just reality. Jesus came to lift us out of darkness. <laughs> and he says, What concord has Christ with Belial, or the devil? Uh, what part is he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? The believers called the temple of God. And he says, For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, I'll walk in them. Look at this. I'll dwell in them. I'll walk in them. That's us. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Yeah. Verse 18, look that. It says, And I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Let's give them thanks right now. Praise God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, many, many, many years ago, close to 30 years ago, I had someone do something to me that was very, very hurtful. And, uh, uh, man, I'll tell you, there was the, the, the opportunity to become offended and hurt was definitely there. Okay? I don't like going to detail. But, you know, when you experience something like that, someone attacks you like that, comes at you, we have to realize the enemy's behind that. It's not just that person. There's the spirit behind that person. And I'll tell you what, it was not easy, but I, had, I got myself in my prayer closet, and I began to pray. I said, God, I need some help right now, because I know what your word says, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, pray for those that despitefully use you. Amen? And... Um, Long story short, I, as, I, as I spent some time praying about that thing and praying it over, God put a supernatural love in my heart for that person. Supernatural love. And it was not of me. It was of, from heaven. And the Lord was able to turn that whole situation around. Praise God. But I'll tell you, I, I could see how easy it would be to stay just in the natural. You know, because when someone lies about you and does something to you, that's really hurtful, it feels like it's taking pounds of flesh off. Especially if it's a family member. Right? It's like, woo, bless God. I can, I can uh, say goodbye to the guy down the street, but you know, you're with your relatives. You've got to see them again, right? <laughs> you've got a wedding coming up. You've got a funeral coming up. You know, you gotta, you're going to run into them again. You know how it is. <laughs> but there is supernatural help. Hallelujah. And I tell you what, I'm a better person today. Now, I haven't arrived, but I'm a better person today because I chose to say, you know, Lord, as much as this hurts and as painful as this is, I'm looking to you right now to help me because you love this person. I know Joyce Meyer said it like this. She says, I love Joyce Meyer's ministry. She says, hurt people will hurt other people. And we realize that's not... That's not, that person might have acted towards you a certain way, but they've been kicked down the road. The can has been kicked down the road, so to speak. And there's a reason why people act the way they do. There's a reason why people are mean. There's a reason why people get ugly. There's a reason why people act the way they do. It doesn't just happen at random. There's a hurt, there's something deep-seated that's there. Sometimes we don't even know the, the depths of what some people... It's mind-boggling to think what some people have been through. I mean, the hurts and the abuses. Mm-hmm. You know, Joyce Meyer talks about her father sexually abused. You've probably heard her before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's hard to fathom. But she was able to overcome it. Yes. You've heard her testimony. Yes. I'm sure. But, uh, you know, it, that gives people supernatural hope. Here's just a regular housewife... You know, God has totally transformed that woman. I thank God for her. I thank God for Joyce Meyer. You know how many people, thousands and millions, say millions of people have come to Jesus through her? God took an ordinary housewife that actually, when she had her first Bible study, she would smoke while she was doing her Bible study. She did. 
And I, I love her honesty. But see, her, here's the difference. Her heart, her heart was right. She had a lot of rough edges, man. She really did, you know. But see, God saw something valuable on the inside of her. Well, most people probably write her off and say, who the heck is this woman think she is? You know what I mean? But see, God saw something valuable, a gemstone that was on the inside of her. And look at where she's come from and look at where she is now. And look at how many people are being taught and saved and born again. And oh. But what would have happened if she held on? Think about that. What would have happened if she held on to that bitterness for her dad? He was terrible. He was abusive. But she, she was able through the Lord's help. She said it was tough. She goes, but with the Lord's help, I was able to eventually to forgive him and to make amends with him. And he actually eventually came to her and apologized. It took a long time. But she wasn't, she says that whether he does it or not, I'm going to do what I have to do. And I love that. I love her honesty. I love her sincerity because I can follow that example. You know what I mean? See, if, if preachers just get up and give the wrong impression, like everything we do t- turns to gold, everything, we've never had problems, we've never had issues, it gives the wrong impression, it gives people, they can't do it. That's why, you know, when people share where they've come from and how they got where they're going, because, you know, they, they didn't just arrive all of a sudden. You know what I mean? There was struggles and things that they went through. Okay? Now, as I close here today... God sees something valuable in each and every one of you. There's a gemstone on the inside of every one of you in this room right now. There really is. There really, truly is. And I believe, I'm going to pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. The value you've placed upon each of us is so amazing and even overwhelming. But yet you want us to see ourselves as you see us. And as you are, so are we in this earth. And Lord, I pray that you'll show each and every person today their value. How valued they truly are by you. And once we understand how valuable we really are, then and only then can we truly love ourselves before we love other people. Because, Lord, we cannot love other people until we love ourselves. And we want, to see th- we want to see ourselves, Lord, from your perspective, from your vantage point, from your viewpoint, from heaven. And by doing so, Lord, we'll be able to step out and we'll be able to reach out and it'll be effortless. It'll be like sweatless victory. We'll be able to go out there and be able to reach people and touch people. And Lord, I just thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord.